I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, join me for a conversation with the inspiring Dr. Sona Bhatnagar. Stay tuned. As a pediatrician, I've had the privilege to care for and hold a dying child's hand as they passed and help families navigate the emotional ride that accompanies tragedy and suffering. All of us have suffered through deep, painful challenges, but too often, in the midst of loss and setbacks, we can witness and experience grief only to see it settle, fester, and often overwhelm. But in experiencing a series of tragedies, would the cumulative waterfall of grief break someone, or can the human spirit actually prevail? For anyone searching for a guiding light of inspiration in this example, then Dr. Sona Bhatnagar's journey is one to pay attention to. After suffering through a series of successive heart-wrenching tragic events, Sona went through the depths of hopelessness and despair. Through patience, self-reflection, and an honest sense of conscious acceptance, she was able to find joy, hope, and fulfillment. As a medical doctor, Sona authored the book Grief Healed, a physician's guide to dealing with grief and thriving, to share her powerful story and help others to heal and find comfort in thriving. Her empowering work has drawn wide praise, and we were fortunate enough to share a recent conversation. Well, you know, one of the reasons I wrote this book is is to help others with grief and loss. And um, in a nutshell, I had a few losses that happened to me a few years ago, which literally went from bad to devastatingly worse. Um, I found out my husband, who I loved more than life itself, had cheated on me. And then a few months after that, my 16-year-old son was diagnosed with bone cancer, um, a type of bone cancer called Ewing sarcoma, which had already metastasized by the time we found it. And then a few months later, After that diagnosis, my husband was killed in a motorcycle accident by an elderly man who did not see him. And then my son, after suffering horrendous rounds of radiation and chemotherapy, died of bone cancer. And all of these things happened within 18 months of each other. And for me, I know there's always a lesson to learn from this. And after my husband died, you know, I tried to get some help and hope and I looked through all sorts of websites and I couldn't really find something that gave me a light at the end of the tunnel. And as I was going through life and learning my life lessons, people always asked me, how can you be so happy, you know, after everything that's happened to you? Or how come you're not blaming God? I had a lady who called me one day who was crying and and saying, you know, my 96-year-old mother died and I can't get out of my depression. And I was thinking, you know, maybe her mother died like in the last week or month. But then I found out her mother died over two years ago. And, you know, I realized that my son and husband didn't die just for nothing. I couldn't sit around twiddling my fingers. I had to help people uh, through their grief and loss. And I learned a lot of lessons and I wanted to tell people, look, This is what happened to me. My life wasn't perfect, 
It wasn't perfectly balanced. It wasn't goody goody. It wasn't boom boom. One day I was sad, and the next day I was happy. But there was a process to the grief. You know, there was a beginning stage, intermediate stages. But my life moved forward, and I am again joyful, happy, and excited to go on. I wanted to share what happened to me, what some of my resolutions were, and specific tools that I used. And there were some dumb things I did and some brilliant things that were very helpful. And yeah. I wanted to have people have an aha moment or to say, you know, I could try this. She went through all this and came out, okay, maybe I should try her suggestions. It made her feel better. The book I wrote is not just about death. It's about any type of loss. And there's certain mm-hmm. principles that apply to all the losses, which is what I have tried to tell through my story. And not so much I wanted to tell people what happened to me, but I wanted to tell them I understand where you're coming from. I, I have had something similar or I've, I understand part of the situation. So it's to tell people that, you know, you're going to be okay. You know, you can pull out of this. Is there a commonality that you found not only in your grief was so devastating because of the uh, additive effect of so many of these losses um, during that time, Uh, during the pandemic, as you know, those around us are suffering actually through the same kinds of loss, but collectively so much of it. Um, I can't even imagine if the kinds of losses that you were suffering were being shared by so many around you. Have you found that at least right now that um, there, because so many out there are suffering from a very common thread, has that effect been additive for so many others as well? Well, I mean, in answer to your question, life brings, you know, can bring all of us many challenges, you know. Unfortunately, at one point or other, especially with the pandemic going on, it could be a loss of a job, you know, loss of a dream, maybe, you know, a loss of a relationship, a betrayal, divorce, loss of health, loss of a loved one. And there are a lot of things that are very common with grief and loss. And when we have a loss of any sort again, we grieve. And grief is defined as a normal and natural reaction to loss. And, you know, with all the stuff going on with the pandemic, grief is unique and, you know, individual. If someone has lost their father and someone else lost their father, for example, their pain is going to be different. The way they heal is going to be different. How long it takes them to feel better is going to be different. Um, A lot of times when we have a loss, we're so overpowered by it, Mm. you know, Death of a lost one has overpowered us. Getting fired has overpowered us. Someone betraying us has overpowered us. Having sort of divorce papers or losing our, our identity or going to the bank and knowing our money is gone. Financial losses, everything at the moment overpowers us. And when we're in that current moment in time, you can't even fast forward and think the day will actually come when you'll feel better or you'll have inner calm or, or it'll be less painful. And so a lot of people tend to get stuck in the mourning phase where you have a habit of asking yourself, well, why did this happen to me? You know, why me? Yeah. Why did I experience this? And on top of that, the loss and grief can drain us emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, financially. I mean, all the resources we have are challenged by losses. And then what tends to happen is it's so overpowering that some people try to counter or deaden this pain with something destructive like drugs or alcohol, or they just never come out of themselves. They stay in their rooms 
And then on the other side, there are a lot of people who spend thousands of dollars a day shopping and buying clothes, shoes, jewelry, or other luxuries to take their mind off what happened. Mm -hmm. I did something. I started talking to psychics, left, right, and center. And then there are people who do constructive things like going to individual therapy, going to group therapy, because you always want to know other people's stories and how they came out of this, or reading self-help books. But yeah. we all do this because we, you know, it's something we don't normally do, but we're trying to find hope or some sunshine in our lives. And there's that saying, unless you're walking or unless you're wearing someone else's shoes and walking in his or her path, you cannot understand their life and motivations. Yeah. And I have certain things I tell people when they are grieving and having a loss, even in the case with the pandemic, because it's all, you know, it's all, we're all having our grief and loss. And I tell them, okay to cry you know it's okay yeah. grief is a heart emotion we need to let it out a friend of mine once said sona you know when you have to cry just cry set a certain time in your day say between 10 a.m and noon just to sit and think about your loss focus only on on that let it all out and when that time is over you need to release those thoughts and you have to go about your day doing the best you can so i tell people you have to find your inner strength I call it your divine will of force to get up and take that first step. You know, whether it is to get out of bed, brush your teeth, take a shower, or just to open the computers to start looking for a job. Because as you do this, each day gets easier and each day gets better. But before you do that, you, you the person, you're going to have to decide that you are going to move forward with life. I mean, we can read all the self-help books and go to therapy or go shopping or go calling psychics. But at the end of the day, it's literally you and the four walls. You're the only one who sits in your own head. Nobody else can do that and nobody else does that. So when you know deep down from within that you want to start doing better in every way, you've already started taking the baby steps towards healing. And, and I tell people, you know, one of the ways to do this is venture into the recesses of your heart and soul to reevaluate who you truly are. Because doing that will help us determine how to rise above our current reality. And it's hard to imagine, I know, but when we dig deep enough, we will eventually find our own answers. And then we're able to overcome our loss instead of being buried by it. And you can dig deep whichever way you like. You can meditate, you can do yoga, journal, sit in nature, you know, walk by the ocean, go golfing, bird watching. Because once you look within for any loss, an internal power comes through. We all have it. The biggest problem is we have so much going on in the world and we have so much clutter in our brain that we can't slow down and our minds can't slow down. And one of the ways I tell people is to make a bucket list or a hope list or a wish list, whatever you want to call it, again, in any form of loss or grief, because Making a list itself gives us a direction, a focus, and a purpose in life. And I tell people, you know, your list can be any length, one item to several items. Don't be in, uh, inhibited. Tell yourself everything is possible. And ask yourself these questions. What will make your life more meaningful? What will give you happiness and drive your passions? What are your biggest dreams and goals? And what do you want to experience in this lifetime? What made you happy 20 years ago? Like, for example, on my bucket list, I had learning to meditate, taking an art class, adopting a dog from a shelter, starting a meetup group for grief, um, hiking in the Himalayas, and actually meeting a man and falling in love. 
Yeah. You know, you don't have to be a widow or gone through any type of grief to be qualified, but making a list is essential because it's for bridging the loss and stepping from here to there, whether you've, you know, lost someone in the pandemic or you've lost your job, it gets you out of your headspace of lost. As a trained uh, physician, um, how important is it for uh, folks who are going through this or someone who's going through um, grief and trying to identify some of these things, how important is it for them to actually do it um, with someone or to seek out counseling and to have uh, some kind of sounding board or um, coaching, so to speak, with this? Um, how, how did that realization come even for you? It was, it's incredibly important because, you know, it's any sort of support system is great. Having therapy, therapy is great, especially if you go to um, group therapy because you hear what other people have gone through and they may not necessarily go through the same loss as yours, but you know, you talk it out, um, you figure out what did this person do to get out of her loss? What about her? And then going to individual therapy because you need to get it out of your system. You know, you need to talk it out. You need to figure out, you know, that you don't, you're not guilty for what happened. It's, it's okay. And also, you know, you can go on and therapy of any sort is helpful. I mean, when my yeah. husband died, the kids were devastated, you know, and I'm not certified by any form to be a therapist. I'm their mother. And, you know, I was going through the same thing and I had no, you know, no right to tell them how to get out of their grief. And the first thing I did was set them up with the therapist because it's yeah. so important and it, it, balances you and you get you start thinking you know and you you do better um you know we're connected of course by uh being south asian and indian um in your experiences so far have there are there elements of this uh south asian background that have made the process more challenging or for that matter, richer and, and more dynamic or easier because of that um, upbringing? I'm, I'm imagining that the spirituality part might be an example of that. One thing that really I've realized is, you know, I believe in the concept of, re of reincarnation. And I know that, you know, people come into our lives and we meet them again. And that has given me the biggest uh, blessing to know that, you know, I know my son and husband are not here, but I know when I cross over, I'll meet them again. And we do tend to come into each other, other's lives. And to me, that's something positive. You know, things had to happen. We have no control over what, what happens in life. Um, but we know that, you know, it's okay. And we learn our life lessons and then we go on. And in the meantime, while we are going on, we, we have to be happy because, for example, the people who have passed over, they don't want us to sit around crying away. They want us to go on with our lives and, you know, help others and do what we really love to do. Going through this with your family, your friends and others, say, in the South Asian community, um, did, did you find any surprises or any aha moments, um, you know, going through this, uh, you know, together or, or things that you learned or reflections that you had uh, after these losses? Yes, I mean, the good news is that being an Indian family, we're sort of an extended family. So there was a lot of support in terms of um, Moet and Nachi dying. You know, people, come, my parents, my brother, sister, the families coming to stay with me and helping me out for months at a time. But there were some incredibly shocking things that I didn't even think. And one of the ways being an Indian woman is, is that mindset, even though you've lived in America all your life, you 
thinking can still be backward. So when I lost my husband, everybody was like, okay, Sona, now you just need to take care of the girls. And that's pretty much all you have to do. Um, you know, when I met someone, their first thing was, well, how could you, how could you like him? You know, that obviously you don't love your husband if you can like this new person. And it's that Indian mentality that women should just wear white sari, sit in the corner and cry. And I could not believe I was exposed to that. And I realized, you know, people are not in my shoes. I'm going to do what makes me happy. And I'm going to do what makes me want to go on with life. But it was a shock. And even as a woman, you know, you have all these friends, which are great. And um, once you become single or a widow or you're divorced, whichever way you become sing single, they kind of look at you different, almost as if you're allowed to steal the husbands, which I have no interest in doing. But it's like, oh, my God, flip. You know, there's a change in the way they think, like almost on the guard, make sure this person is not coming after my husband. Right. So it's sad. And then, again, going back to the death mentality and remarriage, um, you know, when it's a male whose wife dies, the first thing people want to do is look for someone to take care of them. But when the woman's husband dies, they say, oh, no, you need to sit and, you know, look after your kids. And I realized, my God, I never thought I would, I would never thought in our day in society, I would have to come across this. So that was a huge learning lesson for me. You know, how, how do we change that uh, mentality as a, as a community or how, how can we get better at eliminating that kind of prospect, not just, you know, in our day and age, but for, for the future of people who are obviously still going to be going through things like this? Well, A, don't listen to anybody else, seriously, because 20 people will tell you 20 things. And I think that you me, whoever it is going through a loss has to do things that make them happy. And as long as you obviously you're not hurting anybody else, um, because, you know, again, at the end of the day, it's you and four walls and, you know, people mean well, they're not trying to, you know, make you miserable until you go, you know, go take care of your kids, but you have to find what makes you happy. And, you know, when you see someone like me, for example, who I love my first husband, uh, obviously I love my child. I mean, these people were the core of my life. And now I've gone on, I've remarried. And yes, I tell people, I love this husband as much as I love the other husband. You can go on. And I think it's also showing by example, I've done what I wanted to do. I'm happy. The people around me are happy. And those who said, oh my God, Sona, why were we thinking this? They realized watching me that, you know, it's okay. You know, it's okay. Our, our old ways of thinking need to go. And, and yeah. sometimes, can't tell someone that until they see it. Well, I think just even having that confidence and, and trust in yourself to be able to say that, hey, this is exactly the pathway that I'm choosing to um, not only get out of grief, but to really live life and thrive. Were there any surprising anchors now to keep the momentum of that resilience or that um, conscious acceptance of, of all of this, or even the the gratitude and happiness going that, that you didn't expect. Um, you know, obviously when we think about how to anchor some of these things, we think about our family, our friends, the people that are there, but did, did you find any unexpected anchors throughout all of this? I think for me, helping others anchored me a lot. One of the things we did, my second husband and I, is we started a meetup group called Greefield in Long Island where we were living. And, um, you know, we were just joking, thinking in three days, 
Um, in three months, we'll have three people. In, in three days, we had 300 people. And for me, the biggest blessing and gratitude was having these people who had been through so many losses. I mean, some people couldn't even talk. And I mean, it was just uh, some people had lost their husband suddenly or they lost relationships with their family. Um, having these people come and talk and all of us working through all this was really really deep for me because, you know, I realized we all are here to help each other in this life. And we all, you know, should be happy and we should do whatever we do and teach others how to be better, how to stand up, you know, in life, nothing and no one lasts forever. Sometimes yes. people and things are taken away from us before the time. And so when life throws us such curves, the question is, how do we deal with it? You know, you can sit and cry and analyze our way into a deep abyss of depression but that's not going to help us live. A better choice is to stand up, wipe your tears, be grateful for the happy memories, and then take it a step further. You know, you find joy in your heart again by doing things you love, by helping others. And that to me is one of the biggest things because when I help others, I am so happy. You know, it's, it's, it's the best thing I can do is to help others. And, you know, I think that we should know that there is a reason to get up. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, out of the darkest moments come the brightest days. And I'm just grateful that, again, with fam, I have my family, I have my friends. I had all these core people I met as we were all going through grief. And all of this really helps, you know, stand, make us stand up and really actively pursue and gain and do what we want to so we can, you know, accentuate the positives for ourselves and for the world. You talk a lot in the book about uh, letting go and that concept. And maybe it would be great to share what your experiences were and how you've been able to perhaps share with others this whole idea of why letting go is so important. You know, I think that we have so many attachments. Um, there's, I think Anthony Hopkins, the actor, said something about accept Accept ACCPT anything from someone, but don't have any expectations. So I notice in life, we all have expectations. You know, I expect my husband to be like this. I accept, you know, my kids to behave like this. And because of these, these things, we have all these attachments and we feel that we have a right to own them or we're responsible for them. And you realize at the end of it all that, you know, attachments actually are destructive. You know, you end up, you end up um, hurting more when you have attachments because you're expecting something from someone. I figured when you let it go, you know, do whatever you can, do the best you can for that person, but don't expect anything from them. And that's when you have to let go. Let that person do what he wants to, you know. Let my son, when he was at the end of life, of course, as a mother, I wanted to keep him alive to the end of life. But at some point he said, mom, you know, I've tried, we've tried everything we can. We've done every single radiation, every single chemo. You have to let me go now. And that's when I realized that, you know, when you truly, truly love someone, you have to let them do what they want. You can't put your opinions and force someone to do what you needed. And while it was incredibly hard, it was heartbreaking. I realized that he had taught me a lesson, you know. You don't love everybody, do what you can for them, but don't have the attachments because mm. you have to let things go when it's time. 
Sona, um, your uh, work is obviously so important and so inspiring. And in in our kind of highlight reel age of social media and and these kinds of connections, we think about the uh, you know the, all the positives and and such. Do you still uh, go through very difficult moments? And do you still have lots of uh, you know uh, periods where there are uh, challenges and and it can be quite difficult. How, how do you navigate through those now compared to, you know, previously? Well, absolutely. You know, in the beginning, I would cry all the time. But now it's like I do cry. And I tell people, you have to cry. You know, we're not robots. We're humans. And my son has died. My husband died. It's not like I can bring them back. So, yeah, some days I just want, I just cry. I burst out. But, you know, it's actually healing for me because I feel better when I cry. And even though I cannot bring them back, it makes me step back and say, you know, look at all these great memories we had. Look at what we did. And, you know, when it rains, I go running out because my son would love it. Or when we uh, go, you know, when we go to a movie, I'm like, oh, my God, my husband would have loved it. So, you know, they're always alive. That's the thing is people tend to think that in terms of death, for example, if someone is dead, that's it. It's over with. You know, you're not going to have them back. But funny enough, you know, we don't die. It's sort of an outer shell that we have just uh, put away. Our soul is ever alive. It's around us. I mean, there are so many times I've gotten so many messages from Mohit and Nachu, which I think is, oh my God, it's a coincidence. There are no coincidences. They're always around us. They're watching us. So yeah, I cry. I have my bucket of tears, but then I finish it. I do what I need to. And then I think of ways I can remember the good times because they're always around me. They're always in my heart and my soul. They're not here in the physical form, but as far as I'm alive, as far as I think they're around me and they're alive. I think the idea of even having people share their stories, it, it must be really gratifying, um, you know, in, in such an emotional way to read about and, and for that matter, for, for that community to develop and, and find that, that sense of support. Oh my God, it's great. And even it's not just about death. You know, it's one friend was um, looking for a job. And after reading this, she said, you know, I'm going to make my bucket list and do this and do that. And so it's just, just to help others and to realize that, you know, they don't have to be stuck in the past. You don't have to live there. You can take those baby steps because sometimes it's going to be baby steps, especially if the grief is so devastating, but you can come out of it. And it's the, you know, I wrote this book because I learned my lessons and I felt I need to help others after my losses and to have people come and say, Sona, oh my God, your book helped me so much. That's all I care about. I mean, even if it helps one person, I feel so blessed. And, you know, that was the intent of it was to help people going through any loss and any grief. And I'm so gratified when people actually contact me and say, you know, your book helped me so much. So this makes my life so now well, we only have a few minutes left, but I, I would love to hear if you have any just practical summary tips for people as they experience this um, or know others who are experiencing this. Well, um, you know, as I said, that we don't know when life throws us curves and initially we're going to sit and cry, but then we have to make the choice to stand up you know, and be grateful for the happy memories, whether it's uh, someone going through a divorce or someone, you know, losing a relationship with their mother or whatever. The thing is that, you know, you have to know that life will go on. And 
do the things I, I suggested. Go to therapy, you know, go read self-help books. Make that bucket list. I mean, that list is, believe it or not, so important because it literally takes you away from thinking about the loss and moving towards the positive. And when you do all these things, you know, your passion for life is rediscovered. Your joy comes out and then you realize your life purpose. And, you know, it's important to not go into the shell because if we go into our shell and hide, it's no longer about living. It's about surrendering. And so for anybody going through any loss, I tell them, you know, stay actively involved in pursuing your interests because, you know, we need to, make ourselves better by helping others through understanding and through compassion and love. Well, and I love the idea of your perspective as a physician and as a physician myself, I think the idea behind the counterbalance of that and knowing the kind of both uh, uh, psychological, mental health and, and even physical uh, consequences of that can be really, really devastating and so difficult and challenging to try and, and exit from. So, um, Sona, thank you so much for, for being on with us. It's been a real treat. And um, we're also grateful for everything that you do. Thank you, Abhay. Thank you for asking me to come on again. I'm so touched and so gratified. And I'm totally impressed by what you're doing for all of us. So thank you very much. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and you've been listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. For more information and resources related to Dr. Bhatnagar's work, please visit griefhealed.com. If you or someone you know needs help with a mental health or substance use disorder, please seek professional help and attention. If you live in the United States, please call the National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Hi, this is Vivek Tiwari, and you're listening to Ruckus Avenue Radio.